welcome to the Positively You podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Larson, and I'm passionate about helping you shift the way you think so you can create a life you're absolutely obsessed with. Each week, I'll be bringing you a guest or a thought that's going to help you feel more optimistic and equipped to take real action. Get ready to push past limiting beliefs, ditch that negativity, and start showing up as the best and most positive version of you. Girl, let's do this. Welcome back to another episode of Positively You Podcast. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by my guest. When her pitch landed in my inbox, I was floored. Everything I was reading was just lighting me up and I was like, yes, yes, yes. I need to have a conversation with her. So I'd like to welcome, I'm going to mess it up again, Thais Harris Yes, to the podcast. Hi, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. And um, yes, Thais Harris, you got it. See, perfect. (laughs) Okay, well, I want to give you a second to introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and where you kind of are in this world of helping us be our best and most positive self and what lights you up. And we'll jump, we'll just jump right in. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, so I am a holistic nutritionist and by training, by trade, I also really love connecting with women and helping them love themselves into better health. And what that means is just really using a lot of different techniques and practices to cultivate self-love as the foundation that then allows them to actually get the results in any challenge or any um, health endeavor that they're on. So I actually started out as a graphic designer. This was many years ago. I grew up in Brazil, and then I moved to the U.S. when I was 19 and um, worked as a graphic designer and an actress. I really felt like as a kid, that's what I wanted to be. And I also studied international affairs because I thought, well, if acting doesn't work out, then I'll be a diplomat. So very kind of (laughs) all over the place, (laughs) all over the place and interests. And at one point, I actually dealt with some health challenges of my own, especially with digestion. At the time, it wasn't anything serious, but it was bothering me enough that I went to work with a naturopathic doctor. And I was amazed at just by changing what I eat, what I ate and how I ate it that I could have all these results. I literally needed no medication. Um, A couple of supplements definitely were very helpful, but ultimately it was so much about diet. And I used to think my diet was healthy and I did things like, you know, maybe skipping a meal if I knew I was going to eat more. So I was kind of like in the calorie awareness thing. And and then I realized, oh, what's healthy for some is not healthy for all. How do I learn to listen to my body, to understand what it needs and to do things that are health supportive instead of this like punishment or, um, you know, this way of even, like I said, I would skip a meal, right? If I knew something else coming down and it's like, oh, that did not work for my body. Uh, So I really learned to listen to it and ended up going back to school for nutrition 
at first thinking it was just going to be for my own benefit. Mm-hmm. And when I started school, it was literally like stepping into the sunshine because I was like, oh, this, this is what I want to do. And I realized that all my friends were always asking me about school because I was so completely engaged with it. And I thought this is this is actually the way. Not only can I learn and apply this, I can help other people do the same. I love that journey. And this isn't even what we're going to be talking about, but I it's a part that I always love talking to my guests about and anyone I come in contact with is how did you get to where you are and and seeing these things? And so often it is for our own healing, right? It's these things that we've got going on, whether it's sickness or just something we're interested in. And how that turns into us giving this gift back into the world. And I love that. And I think it's just such a beautiful part of your story. Um, I do want to plug really quick. She did. uh, You were an author. There was many authors on this book that just came out in November. The Life-Changing Power of Self-Love, which I'm not saying that it's going to be in our book club this year, but... Now that I know about it, it's definitely getting added to our book club this year. Um, <laughs> and I just, I'm so intrigued by this connection that you've you've come to find between nutrition and self-love. And I think it's interesting that you said to, you know, we think, I thought I was healthy. I thought I was doing these things. And as you're saying all of that, it's clicking. Like, how, yeah, how do we put that all into practice? That's the magic little puzzle piece. And it's like, well, how do we get that puzzle piece? And where do we fit it in? And how does it all work? And so, yeah, let's dive into that connection between self-love practices and how nutrition plays a part in that. Um, as women, you mentioned, sometimes we have a really hard time connecting to self-love. And I love this way of having it linked to how we are fueling ourselves and and through nutrition, because that's such a a tangible and real thing, an everyday thing that we're doing that's not like, oh, well, how am I going to fit in self-care? I'm busy. I don't have extra time. We have to feed ourselves. And so doing mm-hmm. that through self-love, I'm so interested in. Uh, wonderful. I think it really changes how we prioritize things when we are really tapped into that love. So at in a minute, I definitely want to go through all like, what are the ways and why does self-love help in health? Um, but I want to go back to something you said, because this thing about having our own personal healing journey, like wake us up to what's possible and even career paths in my case, mm-hmm. um, is that right after I graduated, and you know, at first, the first couple of years of my practice, I definitely was very much attached to the what, you know, like what people should eat or shouldn't eat, what people, how, here's their meal plan, and here's all the things you need to do and should consider doing, and here are the supplements. And it was a lot about the what, but not paying attention to this piece that is both the how and the when and the what for. Mm. which is I think where the love comes in. And I, a month after graduating, I was scheduled to go to Brazil uh, for a time. And I was really excited to go help my dad. My dad had developed type two diabetes, atherosclerosis. He had high blood pressure. I mean, he had all the gamut of things that could be wrong that were really stress-based. He had it going on. And I thought, oh, now I have all these tools. Like I can actually do something and help him change his life. And a month after I graduated, I got the call. Your dad is in the hospital. Come quick. And uh, 
he had a cancer. It was found. And by the time they diagnosed what actually was happening to his death, it was two weeks. So he had a very aggressive cancer. So I flew down and I still had a few days with him. Um, but that then plunged me into researching nutrition for cancer prevention, very specifically. Then I went to work for an organization that was helping people that were in cancer treatment. So we're providing meals to them. And it got me, that's what started getting me a little bit more out of the what, these foods, not these foods, and more about like, how do you hold the whole person? And sometimes some of our clients going through cancer treatment had so much shame and almost thinking like, oh, I did this to myself, especially when you hear the numbers that like, well, 70% of cancers are diet and lifestyle related, you know, yeah. and all these things where it's not just a genetic kind of um, happenstance. And so I really noticed how much that could either really make or break somebody's recovery. And it was how much they believed and loved themselves, believed in themselves and in their ability to heal and also in letting go of all those ways in which they felt like, oh, I did this to myself or I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done that. And instead just focused, like, what can I do now? Yes. So that just started putting that plug like, oh, the, oh, that psychological piece is so important. Yes, I think that's incredible. Um, I'm just even thinking about my own experiences and things where, you know, it might not be cancer, but it might be, oh, you know, I let myself get too, I, you know, I let myself go. I fell off the wagon. I do all these things. And then we're coming at this with shame or feeling guilty or frustration. And what a piece of like self-forgiveness that can be added into that as well. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yes. Because, and you think about it, when you really love someone, they may do something that is an ideal, but you find a way to forgive them because you love them. Right. And so when we can turn that love toward towards ourselves, it's so much easier to find that forgiveness and to move on and to like let go of the stuff or like driving ourselves crazy about and move forward. And so then I had my own run with cancer, which was I had some skin cancers, but the first one was a black mold that grew right in the middle of my face. So I could not not see it everywhere I went, there it was. It was with there. Me. <laughs> like it was there. And so I had to develop the self-love work because to accept that, to understand that and not see it something. Cause at first I went through all those thoughts of like shame and I'm doing something wrong and I'm supposed to be helping people with cancer. Now I have cancer. Like, what does that say? Mm -hmm. and it's right in my face. Is it some inner ugliness? Like I just had all these crazy wild thoughts about how I was either responsible for it or that it was some sort of punishment, you know? And then I remembered what I preach and I felt like, okay, this is time. I find that love. I accept my reality in this moment as it is. And I find a way to move forward. And I did. And it's a lot of what I actually talk in the book um, and the life-changing power of self-love because my chapter is called No More Cringing in the Mirror. Ooh. And, yeah. So that all happened. And that's what then really gave me more of this framework of like, oh, how do I work with this every day for myself? How do I help other people get to that place? Because yeah. there's so many things biologically that happen when we tap into self-love. 
Oh, absolutely. So my question that I'm going to move into then is if we're getting away from the what, because let's be honest, we all do want that, right? When we want to start feeling better, we say, okay, tell me one, two, three, what am I supposed to do? And I'll follow it to a T and then I'm going to feel better. But we obviously want to get away from that. We're all different individuals. What feels good for one isn't going to feel great for another. So how, if I'm a listener to this, do I start moving from the what and the checklist and finding mm-hmm. how to actually apply this, right? Because we want to be able to listen to this and take it and have it support us in our life, not just we sat down and listened to a lovely podcast today. <laughs> so what would be, what's your framework there? Or what's your, how do we start moving from the checklist to helping ourselves feel this and feel better and the tangible things that we can do to do that? Right. So there's, Three ways to start just cultivating that self-love, because as you even mentioned, like sometimes, especially for women, that's hard to connect with. Yeah. And I think we're not really taught that where if anything, many of us are taught the opposite because somehow it seems like self-love is selfish or indulgent, you know, that there's something about like, you shouldn't love yourself too much, or you shouldn't, you know, talk about yourself. And so the self-love isn't even about expressing it to others, right? It's to just really having it within. Mm -hmm. Because A, and I'm going to go back to the list of how to cultivate it. But I do want to mention that oxytocin is a very special hormone, right? That we get plenty of when we're breastfeeding, when we're connecting with our loved ones. Mm -hmm. So when we're in love, or when we love our babies, our children, it's an amazing hormone that allows a lot of different anti-inflammatory compounds to be in the body. It puts us in a great mood. It makes us want to do things for that person. So when we cultivate the self-love, we're releasing that oxytocin all for ourselves. And it's something we can do literally. Sometimes it's like a hug or a hand on chest. I do that all the time. Just hand on chest, deep breaths. Yes. Mm. Before I I was releasing oxytocin. That's a good moment. Because it feels, it feels like a hug, you know, it's like self hug right here. And before I get out of bed, I put one hand in belly, one hand in heart. And I take a few breaths with gratitude so that I can just remember like, ah, it's another day. Great. I'm breathing. Wonderful. Thank you. I connect with gratitude for every cell in my body because everything is working in this like harmony, right? To help us thrive. The wisdom in the cells from all of my ancestors that came through that DNA and energetically too. And the microbiome. I mean, it's just like if people are looking for things to be grateful for, because sometimes clients tell me like, I can't think of anything I'm grateful for. So we start with some biological stuff that's like happening, whether we no, we're not. Yeah. We're not. <laughs> but it's like, oh, how am I being grateful for that? And it just, it switches me because usually I wake up and my to-do list is already spinning in my head. And when I do this, then I can start the day without having all the cortisol and all the stress hormones running rampant. Of course, we have some cortisol to get up out of bed. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But if we, our thoughts, our body literally reacts to our thoughts. So biologically, whether something wrong is happening in the moment, or we're just thinking of all the wrong things that could happen to our body, it's the same. We're going to release inflammatory things. We're going to, you know, get ready to run or hide. We're going to freeze. So all of that stress can be reduced by first finding ways to connect to that self-love. First one being gratitude. Mm -hmm. So 
touch, hug, hand on chest, and then acknowledging what's happening inside. And usually that acknowledgement comes with that appreciation and that gratitude. I love that. I think if even if you zone out for the rest of this and stop and can't get anything from it, just that one change, if that's not something you're already doing, could be life-changing for you just you know, and it can take less than a minute, even in bed in the morning. That's an amazing little shift. I love just little, little things you can change, um, to make a positive impact in your life. And then it ripples out to other people. So just that alone, but we're going to get much more wisdom. We're not stopping here. (laughs) (laughs) So two is noticing how you talk to yourself. And that's when we bring in a little bit of a curiosity and, you know, a, a, a detective approach, so to speak, without any judgment. We're just like, what happens? Oh, so when I eat that piece of pie, what do I usually say to myself? Like, can, can you tap into the little voice? Sometimes we're so used to an overcritical voice that we don't even see it's there. You know, we, yeah. we, we just take it all in as if it was truth. And we're not noticing like, oh, that's a little something I say to myself. For me, it was noticing the mirror. So when I mentioned the the skin cancer before, especially I became more aware of it because I had that signal on my face, right? And so I would be like, ugh, ugh. So it was like, there was real disgust. I, you know, it's terrible to say that. I think about it's that. real like, though. Oh, I'm doing to myself, you know, yeah. every time. And so noticing what is it what's the message right because maybe even the i'm not saying anything but the message is like oh something is something is wrong Mm -hmm. so here i am again sending a message to my body that something is wrong when in reality nothing was wrong i mean yes there was a there was a an an illness or a dis-ease and i needed to get more into ease to be able to, to treat the disease and so the self love will bring us back into a state of ease Um, So noticing how we talk to ourselves without judging, because we don't want to add another layer of shame to this, but just noticing, because once we notice, then we can start changing the narrative. So number three, change the narrative, right? So I had to actually bring myself to the mirror and give myself some very um, life-affirming messages so that I could start rewriting and reworking how my brain did the thing that it did every time I was at the mirror. And, you know, it takes practice. Uh, so sometimes Ooh, yeah. <laughs> it's just about saying like, good morning, mm. this is going to be a great day. Sometimes it was about saying, you look amazing. You are so powerful. Some days it's like you are healing every day. And some days was like, I love you. I really love you and mean it. Mm. For some people starting with the, I love you. They're like, yeah, I love you. Mm. Yeah, Not really believing it yet, you know? But find something you believe in. So for me, like like saying you are healing every day was something I could really get on board with. Mm, I like that. And I've done something similar with that where I found myself being just uncomfortable. Anytime I would pass a mirror, you know, pass it really quickly. Don't want to look in there. And if if that's you or if you do look in the mirror and you pick yourself apart, it can be really challenging, like you said, to jump straight to I love you. And then you're like, that's a lie. Um <laughs> And even just, you know, I started with just acknowledging that I was there. Like, hi. Hi, Jess. No message, but just hi. And 
And that can be such a, a powerful thing. And, and like you said, it's not a linear, like you're just going to skyrocket up to, I love you. It can ebb and flow and go. And I think that's a beautiful practice. Yes. And you know, Mel Robbins wrote the book, I think it's called the five, the high five habit or something yeah. like that. And it was about high fiving. I'd actually try that because I was like, and then I realized I'm not really a high five person. So that didn't feel authentic mm-hmm. to me to go and high five myself in the mirror. But I could tell myself loving messages. And sometimes we need a, a little sticky note on the mirror to remind ourselves to do it. Yep. But it's so worth it because literally we can train our brains to do anything. I mean, the work of J- Dr. Joe Dispenza, which is amazing. Yes. He, <laughs> yes. It's like we can literally create our health, our reality from our thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. And from the things that we repetitively repetitively do and so if we're constantly belittling ourselves we're going to embody that kind of defeated person and it's harder to heal it's hard to heal a body you hate it's hard to heal when you're going to punishment and and constriction and like so this piece about self-love is that i really believe it gives us more choice when we're acting out of love we take better care of what we love I love giving this example of a chair because I had sort of dated this particular rocking chair for a long time. It was at this store. Um, And finally, my husband and I bought the chair. You know, I had a baby. And so I could see myself like breastfeeding and Mm -hmm. and being a chair. And I loved that chair. And there was no way I was going to leave that chair outside in the rain Mm -hmm. or let my dog or a cat for that purpose scratch the chair or, you know, I don't know, spill the hot chocolate on the chair, right? Like I cared for the chair. Mm-hmm. And then you compare it to the little plastic chair we got at the hardware store <laughs> that sat outside and got rained on and got totally destroyed. Um, we didn't care for it as much because we didn't love it. And I think when we think about our bodies to actually sustain results, and I've seen this over 10 years in practice with my private clients, is that when we support the love piece, they continue to get results like consistently and for a real long term versus the short things that you're doing because you're kind of, you know, restricting and punishing and it doesn't last long. It keeps no. us in a cycle of feeling bad, which eventually brings us back to the things that make us feel good and comfortable, which for many of us is food. And so if we're stuck in a cycle of feeling bad, it's hard to get those the practices that we want to have the long-term success. Absolutely. I've said to myself before, I can't hate myself into, you know, a better version of myself. Like that seems like I'm just banging my head against the wall. That's not going to do it. And and what a it's it's so funny how these little practices we think, you know, we always want these big things. This like 30-day transformation and these quick pills or whatever and and things that are going to make us have an extreme shift right away so that it's incredibly noticeable. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is when you make these small changes, when you do it through self-love, when you make just these little mindset shifts over and over and over again, you'll get years down the road. And I, that might be like not what you want to hear. And look back and you're a completely different person or in a completely different spot. And that's an incredible reflection to have of like, wow, there actually is a huge transformation. It wasn't 30 days. It wasn't super sexy, (laughs) but 
it's so rewarding and so cool when you can see that full journey and then know that like you're not even at the end point of that journey that you're like oh, I'm just somewhere in the middle still like how else can this go where else am I going to grow to and go to and that self love piece is that that core piece that's needed that puzzle piece I was saying was missing right oh so true you know a lot of people talk about the one percent increments of change. Mm-hmm. When we want to change the 20 or 50%, like you said, like the small, the short-term things and promises of like different programs that people can do. If it doesn't have the, the piece built in for the longevity and the smaller shifts, because some people do need to do something a little more drastic for a month right. to feel a certain result and then be able to continue from there. But in most cases, if you're going to you know, change 40% and then go back to where you were (laughs) back to zero after that as a backlash. That's not helpful. And that's creates more stress in the body and in the psyche. But if you commit to that 1% every day, then after 100 days, you might be at 100%. You know, like there's, there's something about that, the things we do every day, and that are doable, meaning like, you know, if you're putting hand and chest and belly and taking three deep breaths before you wake up and just connecting with like, amazing, I'm alive, my body works, I have this wisdom in my cells, and I have all this microbiome supporting me. Great. That's that took a few seconds of your day, maybe a minute. And you can do that every day. And one of the things that really changes, I noticed this, I was trying on a bathing suit at a store. And I noticed an area, you know, in the bra line. And I was like, and the first thought was very aggressive. And it was like, how are you going to get rid of that? What kind of workout are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And I caught it and I was like, oh, wow. I'm like, I would never say that to my best friend or to my son, you know, like, how are you going to get rid of I would never speak like that to the people that I care about. So I took a deep breath and I was like, ah, you are aging beautifully and mm-hmm. powerfully. And yeah, some some things in our body don't look like they did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, but this is me now. Yeah. I love you. Okay. I left that dressing room feeling so much lighter than I know I would have if I had just let that aggression thing stay. Mm-hmm. I would have left defeated. It's like, here's a bathing suit. Ugh, I hate shopping. I don't want to do this. You know, like then hear all the chemicals going through my body, right? And what it does too is that when we use violent communication with ourselves, and this is from nonviolent communication teachings, we don't want to collaborate with ourselves because what is taught in nonviolent communication, NVC, is that we don't collaborate with the enemy. So every time we put ourselves in that relationship or we're the enemy or we use metaphors to the body like we're at war with something we're fighting something right it creates this weird animosity and this enemy relationship and so it's harder it's like we keep using much more energy to get to our goals than we would if we just found a way to like befriend ourselves absolutely what i love about that story is you can look at people like you who are guiding and teaching this and thinking like well yeah easy for her you still had that thought, <laughs> right? You still had that thought. And I think sometimes we get that thought and we're like, oh man, I thought I was doing so much good work and I was there and this thought still popped in. The thought can still pop in, right? Like that negative thought, like even the best of the best and who've been like doing this self-work for so long, 
even can have that thought. It's that choice where you get to have that conversation with yourself and be like, whoa, thought. Hi, you're not (laughs) welcome here. And I just think that that's really cool because that can be where we start down into shame sometimes too of like, oh, dang it. I have that thought still, right? Everyone, we're still susceptible to those thoughts. It's what we do with them, whether we like spiral down or judge ourselves for having it or whatever. And then what you said, you were able to have that thought and still leave that dressing room feeling really, really good. Yes, exactly. And it's this, you know, collaboration piece. I find like I felt feeling like a friend to myself and not like the person that deserves nothing, (laughs) especially when we're moms, right? And so I'm a mom, you're a mom. There's so many ways in which how we model that can affect our kids. And I know that I, I have an amazing mom, love my mom dearly. But I know that there's a lot of that messaging too that comes from all the many years that I witnessed her looking at her pictures and saying, oh, that's awful. Oh, look, my legs. Oh, my hair. More recently with the phones, it's like, oh, delete that. Delete that picture. Delete that picture. And it's this constant uh, criticizing of what we look like. And, you know, and growing up in Brazil, too, with lots of aunties and my mom, there were all these times when I would be witnessing that which seemed normal to me that you would see a picture of yourself and you would find what's wrong yes or with you and so it's a real work to then model that for our children and and like not do that and sometimes my son will show me a picture or something if I'm in it Mm -hmm. and if the first thought is like oh I'm like retraining my brain going oh wow yeah that was a beautiful day you know, whatever, like if you, if you can't find something about yourself that you love, find something about the picture that you love, find mm, something. Or the experience. Absolutely. So that we're not training our kids to yeah. go through this crazy thing. Yeah. I will say that's been really helpful for me. And I, I love that about, you know, you can still have the thought, you can shift it. It can be, yeah, I still don't like the way I look in that picture, but like what a great day at the beach that was, or Oh, just the work we're doing. It's for ourselves, but it's also for these kids and this future generation too. And if they don't have to unpack all the stuff we're having to unpack, that's going to be great for them. Right. And I think it's so true when I think about even things like beating ourselves up. And I think I was listening to one of your podcasts around podcasting, right? And there's this, you can have this relationship with the uh, not being perfect, which can be really hard if we keep beating ourselves up for not doing everything right. Like, uh, can we just acknowledge that <laughs> not perfect? We weren't made to be perfect. And that sometimes things go really well and sometimes they don't, but acknowledging all the different things that we do show up for. Mm. And if we start with showing up for ourselves, we come from a very, we start from a very different place. And I know for me, I think beating myself up, I think was some sort of mechanism to ensure that I would do better next time. Right. So it's like, if I really let myself have it, it means I'm not going to do this mistake again, or I'll do differently. And what it does is that it slowly destroys our trust in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so it's like having a big drain down by your feet and all your energy when we're beating ourselves up is going down that drain. And so sometimes I have to literally like visually remind myself, like, uh, uh-uh, stop, step on the drain, close the drain, no more drain. I need my energy yep. to do the things I love, to serve the people I want to serve, to be a mama, to, and so this is just a kind of off topic, but a reminder that I think is so connected to self-love 
is that beating ourselves up is not going to make us better next time. So when we when we feel that happening, remember it's just taking away your energy and stopping it. So whether that means walking to a mirror and saying, okay, I'm here for you. I'm present for my life right now. And then moving forward, then that's great, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think those three tips that you shared with us are going to be something that I want to implement myself more and invite anyone listening to, you know, when you wake up in the morning, giving yourself that hug, that little oxytocin thing and, and being aware of those thoughts and then challenging them when they do come in. I think those three little pieces are going to be game changers. Um, I want to ask you before I let you go. I mean, I could sit here and talk to you literally (laughs) for hours, um, But where, what are you putting out into the world right now? Are there things where if someone is listening to this and they're like, I also would like to continue this with you, where can they find you and connect with you? And what things do you have going on? I'm going to be linking your book. You also have a children's book too, that I'll link down below as well um, and get everything. But but where can we continue to connect? Yes, thank you so much. So my website is nourishtogether.com. And if you go to selflove.nourishtogether.com, it will take you directly to a PDF download called The Three Mindset Shifts to Love Yourself into Better Health, which is pretty much summarizing what we discussed here today. Um, And the book is The Life-Changing Power of Self-Love. And my children's book is called Little Red, and it's about this little apple with a big dream. And it's part of my commitment to really help kids get more excited about eating vegetables and fruits. Ooh, I love it. And it's the first one of a series. So um, it's it's very sweet. They're both available on Amazon. And I think that's it. And also just connect with me on Instagram. That's like the platform where I put more tips and videos. Um, I also share some information. My husband is a somatic psychotherapist. And so a lot of what I've learned, too, is coming from um, us working together. We developed a course called Optimizing Your Diet. Diet is an acronym for daily intake of everything because everything we're putting in matters. So it's not just what we're eating or putting on our skin. It's our thoughts. It's the media or whatever we're listening to, right? The news. So um, I feel like so much of what informs this work of really bringing the love that then can help us de-stress, activate the vagus nerve, let our microbiome be at ease so that they can give us that, you know, all the bacteria that live inside of us, all the microorganisms, they're constantly giving us nutrients. And when they're in balance, when we're at ease, they make more of the good stuff, Mm -hmm. right? They actually help our immunity and everything else. And so bringing this piece just, I think, ties all of it together, both for you know, a a healthy mind and good mental health, as well as a healthy body. So on Instagram, I share more things about things that I'm doing with him. So Instagram is nourish.together. Perfect. And you guys, I made it super easy for you. All the links are clickable just right where you're listening. So you can hop right over to anywhere. Um, I have a feeling that this might not be our last conversation. I definitely want to dive in more with you. Um, but thank you so much for the time. I feel so much lighter and filled up at the same time after this conversation. So thank you. Thank you so much, Jesse. And I hope to be back. Absolutely. It's a joy. Thank you. Thank you for hanging out with me again today. I'm so glad you pressed play. 
If you want to take a quick second to share this episode with someone you think would love it too, that would be amazing. If you're loving the show, make sure you go and leave a review on iTunes. Reviews are like magic for podcasts, and your review will help get this show into the ears of more amazing women just like you. And come find me over on Instagram. I'm there at positively.jesse, and I cannot wait to hang out with you some more. So until next time, have an amazing week.